Alright, what is up you guys? Welcome to the Abstract Audio Podcast. I'm your host Derek. Hopefully you guys had an amazing Christmas weekend or an amazing holiday weekend if you will. Um, Hopefully you enjoyed time celebrating whatever the fuck you're celebrating just as long as you're fucking celebrating. Um, And hopefully you just spent time with loved ones, whether that be family, whether that be friends. Um, cause all that, that's all that matters, man. It's just time, time spent. Um, not too much new on this end other than a newfound PUBG obsession. And that's what we're going to open this episode with. So if you guys are unaware, PUBG is a computer game, or at least it started as one. Um, and essentially I think the the matches are a maximum, it's a shooter, a survival shooter, I guess. And the matches are, I believe, a maximum of 100 people. And so the concept is there's this huge ass map, this giant island, and you're dropped onto the island via a plane, all of you. And you just pick when you parachute out of the plane. And then you jump down onto a random part of the map uh, and scavenge. You know, scavenge armor, uh, weapons, vehicles. And um, and so essentially, it's just uh, everything's random, right? You start off with nothing. You acquire everything once you get to the ground. And then sometimes even then, if you if you jump down into a highly populated area, you're fucking... You know, you're throwing fists before you even get to pick up a gun. Um, But just super intense shit. I don't know. And mind you, I have this obsession. I would call it an obsession um, with the game. And I don't even own it. So I've been watching content, like uh, streamers on Twitch and YouTube content recently uh, over the holiday. And the shit is just fascinating. And so I do have a xbox one on the way um i guess kind of my gift to myself i've been holding out for so fucking long um and mind you that's how excited i am about this game i you know it it, so it started on pc right and then recently what within the month i believe within the past month came to xbox or xbox one and um and once i started watching it i looked it up and I guess uh, Microsoft is looking to extend the exclusivity. So initially, I had heard they're going to have exclusivity for two years. And that's fucking insane. But then I looked into it some more. And I believe they are they have exclusivity for six months uh, minimum, at least currently. And... Uh, and and that's of course on console because it started on PC, and um. So, just watching the content, I uh, now I have an Xbox coming, and of course just gonna be playing PUBG, but um. I don't know. This game is fucking fascinating, and the content, like the, the game on Xbox, varies hugely, from. PC, like PC, you know, you, PC now has two maps, and, uh, Xbox still has one, 
And the game, mind you, is $30, which initially, once I was reading into it, is, I guess, pretty controversial. Um, That, of course, if you guys are familiar with buying video games, is a discounted price. Because I believe they're normally, what, $60 or $70? Which they have been for, like, the past 10 years, which is crazy. Um, But I just find it fucking fascinating that you know, I mean, the game is extremely buggy on Xbox, and they're charging $30, and, uh, but of course, it's a one-time fee, and you, uh, it's, you know, it could be, I don't know, I have massive faith in what it will be, because if you guys haven't, uh, checked out the H3 podcast, you guys should check out their recent episode, or maybe it was it was like an episode or two back, with um the founder. I forget his name. He goes by Player Unknown, I believe. Um, but you know it's it's this Ethan's Ethan and Ela's podcast where they just have guests on and interview them, shoot the shit with them, and it was fascinating. And after that interview, you know, I guess I watched that interview. I was somewhat into the content, but that's what watching that interview really made me go and watch some of the content, some of the streams on uh, on YouTube and Twitch. And then from there, it's just like, you know, sitting there watching it. I just want to play it so fucking bad. Um, but about that interview, I have a lot of faith in the game because Xbox, the Xbox version currently is a buggy mess. Like of the content that I've seen. Like, you drop onto the ground, I mean, you fucking, the buildings haven't even rendered, you know, there's no textures, um, just some buggy shit, uh, the game constantly crashes, like, regularly, and that's just expected, um, so it's kind of fucking crazy in concept, charging for a game that is so buggy and messy, uh, but... Uh, the guy player unknown in the interview had mentioned that he views it as a reasonable price for what's to come because he was saying that they're constantly working on it. They're, they want to only improve it. It's not a, a cash in. He said that con- contrary to, you know, spectators belief or not spectators, um, fucking just, uh, negative people. I don't, I'm drawing a fucking blank right now, um, not instigated, well, it would be instigated, I don't fucking know, but people that are hating, haters, contrary to haters' beliefs, um, he was saying that they're going to, this is a lengthy project, he said for years down the road, and, uh, and I have faith in that, because they've been doing that for PC, because then once you go and watch the PC streams, I mean, it's fucking, that's like straight up MLG level, like Major League Gaming. I mean, it's, I don't know, the, it runs so smoothly. Um, there's so many little details. The game reminds me, and he mentions this, um, it reminds me of like SOCOM or America's Army. And he mentioned uh, that America's Army was one of the games he was fascinated with earlier in his life. And if you guys are unfamiliar, America's Army, I think that's what it's called, um, came out, I think, on PS2. 
and it was marketed as this extremely realistic, you know, tactical shooter that supposedly, I remember reading an article in like Game Informer or some shit and reading that they use that for, you know, to train actual army members, which was fucking, you know, mind blowing to me at the time. But uh, I don't know if I ever, I think I did get to playing it. I don't know if I rented it. Mind you, this was back when, when motherfuckers rented video games. Um, so this was what fucking 2006, maybe 2008, somewhere in there. Um, but I remember playing it and being extremely fucking bored with it because, you know, it's, it's, it is what it like. It's very strategic. It's, it's, I don't know. I was fucking bored. Very, uh, you know, my expectations were fucking shattered. I was, it was, it was a fucked up weekend that weekend. Cause mind you, you only get like what? One, one rental, two rentals if mom's feeling generous, you know? So I fucked up that weekend. But, um, anyway, the, the game PUBG was inspired by this and it's kind of evident. There's so many little things like little, uh, little fucking details in, in the game that I don't know. I mean, it, it fucking makes it so entertaining, not only to watch, but obviously, you know, I'm hoping to play. And I have faith that even though it's going to be buggy right now, that within, I would say even the month, you know, there will be real, you know, huge leaps of improvement because not only what PC, and that's a rare, that's a rare situation, right? Where you get to, and I'm trying to, I mean, I'm, I'm normally pretty positive, um, and so I guess that's why I'm thinking this way and not like, well, I'm, I'm being charged $30 and paying, you know, and getting a, a fucking half-baked game, I have faith in where it's going, and, uh, and I look at it as, you know, there's a clear difference in Xbox's version and the PC's version, but when I look at the PC, I kind of look at it obviously as things to come for the Xbox. So that's kind of cool because it's rare that you get a situation like that. Um, but then, I don't know. I just look at the Xbox right now, the Xbox version, as like an art, more of an arcade shooter. And then the PC version and, and where the Xbox version will eventually end up within the coming months, it will be, a, you know, more more geared towards just a higher competition level just just more competitive because the fucking pc version and and just the streamers that i was watching who who the fuck was it um jack jack frags i believe was one of the streamers and then um stone mountain 64 and these motherfuckers are strategic as fuck i I don't know It it was fucking insane to watch so if you guys are into that or you're into PUBG, let me know, like, that shit is fucking, I don't know, I'm blown away by this game, and I, mind you, I've, I was obviously, I was raised playing video games, I had, what, I started with a Super Nintendo, and then an N64, and then, (coughs) uh, from that, what, a PS2, and then a Xbox 360, and then an Xbox 360, what is it, the 360 Slim, I think it is, 
and then um or maybe elite no i think it's slim and then uh now an xbox one s which i know is like an the inferior version with only 500 gigabytes storage but i figured fuck it i only want it for one video game and i'm not about to buy a one x because from my understanding it's just uh a higher resolution 4k gaming which i feel like for right now is more of a gimmick um and it'll be standard obviously on the next gen consoles but um regardless you guys if, if you're into that you're into shooters you're into video games you should check the game out you probably already have i think it's like fucking three million three hundred million sold or some shit i mean the game's huge and uh so yeah that's been my obsession. I mean, super all over the place, but I've been excited to talk about it on here for some time, uh, pretty much the whole break. But with that being said, let's get into the couple of stories that we have today, uh, starting with another end of the year list or a, a end of the year winners list. So if you guys remember, I don't remember which episode it was on. But quite a few episodes back, I went through uh, the high snobiety end of the year uh, awards, or they call them crowns or whatever. And now we have the winners of the high snobiety crowns. So I just wanted to briefly recap that since I went over it in the past. Um, All right. So starting with the best store of 2017, bronze goes to round two hollywood and nyc uh silver goes to colette r.i.p colette and gold goes to km20 which that was a category i think i voted for kith was was the the option i ended up going with um and then editor's choice was grailed the website mind you they don't have a physical store um now the best fashion collaboration of 2017 bronze went to junior watanabe and the north face silver went to vetema and champion which i was surprised by and then gold goes to supreme and louis vuitton which uh that makes sense i mean definitely the most hyped collaboration you know it was a dope collaboration to begin with just in concept but then once you add the hype that Supreme brings with it, it makes sense. Um, and then Editor's Choice was Junior Watanabe, Watanabe and the North Face. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but fuck it. Um, Alright, now Best Under the Radar brand of 2017. Bronze was GFT, Silver was Sunday School, and Gold was Jacob Kane which I believe Jacob Kane, I knew nothing of these brands, mind you, these uh, up-and-coming brands, but I think I had went for Jacob Kane, I'm not sure, and then Editor's Choice was Domestic. Um, Alright, so then the best breakthrough brand of 2017, Bronze goes to Palm Angels, Silver goes to A Cold Wall, which I, I mean, that's my gold, um, and then Gold goes to kappa which makes sense i mean i've seen it all over the place i mean if you're going by hype it makes sense which typically these user voted you know uh these user voted lists are typically gonna go towards the hype shit right um 
And then the editor's choice was Alex. Which is actually, they're putting out some dope shit. I'm excited for Alex as well. Um, but my choice is certainly uh, A Cold Wall. Just a huge fan of that brand. Um, Alright. Now the most relevant brand of 2017. Interesting topic, right? Uh, bronze is Supreme. Silver is Balenciaga. And gold is Off-White. Off-White Co. Virgil Abloh. Um, I don't know. That's pretty interesting because outside of the collab, I guess it was it was kind of Virgil's year and and it's Virgil's time even right now. Um, just at the pace that that dude's working, you know, the collabs that he's putting out, next level shit. It makes sense. I don't see how I don't know. I guess bronze to supreme most relevant though. I don't know. I think Supreme was my pick. Uh, Supreme would... It's hard to say, because Balenciaga's obviously doing this shit. Huge fucking year. Um, I don't know. And Balenciaga is the editor's choice as well. That's a difficult one, man. I, I didn't see Virgil being the pick, though. I'll admit that. Um, but it's much deserved. You know, so... Alright, and then the next topic was the best sneaker of 2017 bronze went to sean weatherspoon the on the uh nike air max 97 and then uh silver was tyler the creator and converse golf the floor and then gold of course virgil abloh with the air jordan one makes sense and then editor's choice virgil abloh air jordan one um all right now most influential person of 2017 bronze went to kanye west Silver went to ASAP Rocky, and gold goes to Virgil Abloh. Makes sense. I think it's much deserved. Um, editor's choice was Demna Gvasalia, Gvasalia um, who I'm unfamiliar with. And then, of course, the Lifetime Achievement Award uh, went to Gary Warnett, the late Gary Warnett, RIP Gary. And then... Uh, Alright, that's the end of that list. I just wanted to briefly run through it so that if you guys followed along and you guys didn't see that the winners were announced, now you know. Um, and do those picks align with your guys's? if you made picks or if you guys voted? I'm interested. I think most of them were, were pretty much aligned with where I was thinking. Um, but sticking with the concept of lists um over the weekend i believe it was the weekend uh on my twitter timeline some people were having a discussion uh regarding the complex best of best sneakers of 2017 list so let me go through that list for you uh number 10 is the tyler the creator converse um the initial collaboration so not the Golf Lefleur, but the the first collaboration with what was it? The blue, um, pink and yellow, I believe, were the colorways. Um, number nine was the Kith Nike Maestro Two. Number eight was the Alayla Alayla May Air Jordan One. Um, number seven was the Skepta. 
Air Max 97. Number six, the Atmos Nike Air Max 1. Number five, the Rockefeller Nike Air Force 1. Um, number four, the Tom Sachs Nike Mars Yard 2.0. Number three, NERD and Adidas HU Race Trail. Human Race Trail, right? Um, number two, Cause Air Jordan 4. And number one, Virgil and Nike the 10. So I guess all of them didn't even pick one. Um, so that's the list. But the topic is, you know, is regarding the list. But these guys were talking about the list being paid off. And essentially Nike paying Complex, you know, to to put them in the list. Because if you, if you look back on that list, there are, what, three sneakers that are not Nike? The uh, Converse, Tyler the Creator the um human race the adidas human race and then what others i believe that was it actually yeah the adidas human race yeah and then number 10 being tyler so only two picks that were outside of nike that sounds i mean and then does that even matter if if the list is being paid off, you know, because it's not like, if anything, it just de- discredits the list, right? I don't know. It's fascinating to think, but it's obviously not a unlikely concept. You know, I mean, going through the list, number nine, the Nike Maestro 2, the Kith Nike Maestro 2, like fucking really a sneaker of the year. Mind you, it's not bad, and and I'm proud of Ronnie for the collaboration, but number nine, out of everything, number eight, the the Alayla, or Alayli May, Air Jordan 1, I mean, mind you, all these lists are subjective, so it's hard to say, but, like, that fucking sneaker is not top ten, I mean, at least to me, and then there's maybe, obviously, my you know, it's just proof that it's subjective, um, the Skepta, I can kind of see that, I don't see the Atmos Air Max 1, like, what the fuck, I mean, no hate to Jay, but the fucking Rockefeller Air Force 1, number 5, really, and then, I mean, the Mars Yard makes sense, the cause, I I could see that, and then, of course, the, the 10 by Virgil, But, again, that's just my opinion. But some of those picks are really fucking just out of nowhere, at least to me. And so it wasn't until they started talking about that that I went and looked at Complex's list. And it was like, goddamn, only two from anywhere else. And essentially, Adidas, mind you, Adidas owned most of the year. Trying to be as objective as possible here. I feel like Adidas own most of the year. It's hard to remember that, though, because obviously Nike and Virgil owned the entire last quarter just with that collaboration alone. So I don't know. 
it's kind of fascinating that you get one Adidas sneaker on that list and then just two non-Nike sneakers. Kind of fucking interesting. Uh, but does that even matter to you guys? Do these lists matter to you guys? And would you be surprised if it were being paid off? I mean, it was... Obviously, I'm just probably gullible as fuck. But it was a concept that really kind of... You know, I was taken back by for a second. To think that these lists were being paid off. Because it's just like... To me, obviously, the lists are like... You know, just your personal taste. It, it's not like it fucking matters. But I get... Once you have an entire publication behind it and you have all of the traffic and views that Complex does, it makes sense that that's somewhere you would market to. It's just gross. You know, it's just, uh, it's just desperate marketing, I guess. You know, this guerrilla type marketing. Um, I don't know. So fuck you, Complex. Fuck your list. It's all subjective. Yeah, but you guys, I don't know. You guys' pockets are being lined, I feel like. Um, But yeah, so you guys let me know. Does that even matter to you if the list is being paid off? Um, All right. Now, next, getting into some other news that happened over the holiday. Uh, Joe Budden has left Complex and, more specifically, Everyday Struggle the show that he does, if you guys are unfamiliar, it's the show that he does with, um, DJ Academics and Nadeska Alexis, kind of like the moderator, um, but I don't know, I found this interesting, supposedly it was because they were unable to come to contract negotiations, um, my theory though, is that Joe approached them with an outrageous figure. And and when mind you Joe has addressed this and I believe, you know, his his reasoning was just that that they were unable to come to, you know, to agree on a number. Um, but my theory is that Joe had went to them with some ridiculous number knowing that I mean maybe it's rightfully so, you know, knowing that he is the 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 main face of that show right he's the one who makes who puts it in the headlines for better or for worse i mean joe some of his stuff he you know some of the the fucking opinions that he has on the show he makes a good argument but a lot of the time i feel like he's just hating on shit just to hate on shit and uh and i don't know i mean he he more annoys me than anything but I get it. It's obviously working for him, you know, and he he did, regardless of my opinion, he made that show what it was. Um, He's the reason that, you know, he grew it. He's the reason that people know what it is. Um. But I don't know. So I feel like, you know, knowing that he went to Complex with a ridiculous number, knowing that, OK, well, if I get that number, then I'm obviously just cashing, you know, I'm making out with the bag, cashing this fat ass check, and then coming out with my album. Because I feel like, especially with his Migos beef, now is a better time than ever for Joe to drop an album. And I think he drops hints on the show every now and then, if you guys watch. Like, for example, um, of course, I was watching the Sci High episode, and uh, 
And he mentions that, you know, Psy High's album made him want to rap again. And I, yeah, so I feel like he's been working on some shit. Um, plus, when you're an artist, I feel like you're kind of always working on shit, right? Um, but so my theory is he planned on releasing the album regardless, right? But he then approached them with this ridiculous bag. And in, you know, it, worst case scenario, they turn it down. And then he continues on with this beef with Migos and drops an album that will likely be one of his best, you know, at least numbers wise, just because of all, you know, I mean, right now when you have beef, it's everything. It's like the ultimate marketing. So, I mean, that's all Joe's got to do is drop Amigos diss track and then announce the fucking, you know, the release date or just drop the shit out of nowhere, you know, drop the album out of nowhere. Um, but I don't know. That's my theory. And since he has gone on to, I think it's just an end of the year episode, but he, he's doing this series or this episode, I feel like with uh charlemagne and it's uh what is it called this year this year was trash or this year was dope um and i don't know i've seen it on my feed i haven't checked it out yet but um yeah that's my theory i think that he you know he had this planned all along maybe not necessarily all along but it makes sense strategy wise going into that meeting being like hey well you know, I know your guys' network is blowing the fuck up. Uh, you know, your content dominates YouTube. And, uh, you know, and, and also this show. This show is included in that content that dominates and that dominates the headlines sometimes, at least in the, you know, in hip-hop, in the culture so circle, I guess. Um, but, yeah. And then use that to, you know, as your leverage. And then tell them, you know, you know, throw this figure out there, demand that shit, and if they don't meet it, okay, well then, sorry, I can't, I can't come to agreement with you, and then hoping that maybe if you walked away, they would be like, okay, well, maybe, maybe we can get closer to that number than we thought, or some shit, you know, um, I don't know, I just, I find it as smart on Joe's part, but yeah, I think that it was, it was very strategic in, in its planning, it was very planned, you know, it wasn't spontaneous, it wasn't like, oh, shit, well, you know, fuck you guys then, um, but I don't know, I don't think that the show goes on without Joe, in all honesty, regardless if, you know, if you're a fan of him or not, uh, I think he made that show, so it's gonna be interesting, I, I have a feeling that we'll be seeing a Joe Budden album very soon, at for sure, early 2018, first quarter, I would say, um, but yeah, so do you guys watch the show, does that show interest you, I mean, his, he has hot topics, you know, he, he reminds me very much of Charlemagne, so I think it's fitting that they did their end of the year shit together, and I probably will check that out at some point, but, um, yeah, I don't know, I feel like hot takes are just a dime a dozen, you know, in this day and age, it's just having a different opinion for shock factor, and, uh, yeah, so I don't know, Joe Budden was tolerable, you know, he was tolerable for me, but a lot of the time he was, he was pretty fucking annoying, um, 
but smart on his part. So, all right. Now, with that being said, I wanted to get into a my thoughts essentially on the Yeezy 700 Wave Runner, my initial impressions. So I have my pair right here. Now, mind you, this is the pair that I had previously told you guys about mm -hmm. um, that I pre-ordered on Adidas site um, back in, what, fucking four months ago? Five months maybe now? Uh, and, yeah, so now I finally have it in hand. I had mentioned, last I mentioned to you guys, um, I had hit up their customer service because it had been, what, when you initially pre-ordered it said on the site that it would ship November 1st. It was at the time that I contacted them, I believe like the second week of December. So I felt like that was uh, kind of, you know, that was right on my part, pretty fair on my part to contact them. Like, where the fuck are my Yeezys? Um, and they got right back to me and told me they're shipping next week. So, um, I don't know. My first impression is that it's refreshing to see a new sneaker from Kanye um other than the fucking V2 which mind you there have been leaks uh what that initial lime colorway that was like what I believe that was two weeks ago and then this past week there was like a sesame colorway that's essentially so picture the lime colorway that's like the volt but a very very faded volt well sesame is essentially like a tan color but a very very like watered down tan color like a very lightly tinted tan color um and it has a gum outsole which i think looks better on that one than the volt or the uh what is it the fucking the frozen the, the frozen yellow pair yeah i think it's frozen yellow um i don't think the gum sole fit at all on those I think on that on the sesame pair, at least, uh, you know, looking for positives, at least that looks better. Um, you know, it goes with the overall palette of that pair. But the the entire silhouette is, you know, I've stated multiple times old as fuck to me. Just seeing that V2 time and time again. Um, so seeing this Wave Runner, this Yeezy Boost 700. Um, I don't know. It's refreshing. That's my initial impression. It, uh, I really like the way that the colors blend. You know, it's a very simple gray base. Um, materials are just pretty much all mesh. There are some suede panels, but I think it's like a synthetic suede. Nothing special. Um, the leather is on the eyelets, and that is plush as fuck. Um, but pretty much the only luxe materials that you're gonna get on this model the outsole stands out to me it looks dope as fuck just the design on it um and i don't know the the overall color scheme so it being a simple gray base with black hits with this fucking you know these orange pods on the uh on the midsole that are 3m you guys probably know that. Um, then the toe boxes is, is probably my favorite part. 
just seeing it's it's very new balance inspired to me um but seeing this deep green and this aqua blue and then with the volt the like faded volt laces i think that you know sets the shoe off perfectly and uh yeah i don't know i mean it's it's dope is it amazing um not not amazing I think the it's slowly growing on me. Obviously, it's Ye's take on, you know, these bulky dad sneakers. But in all honesty, seeing Balenciaga do what they've done, essentially, in my opinion, the ultimate dad sneaker, right? With the triple S. Um, I don't know. I feel like they... It's, but that's the thing. It's not even... Like, I feel like they did it the best is what I was going to say. But... I don't know. I mean, I don't hate this. You know, this. I like the design. I like the colorway right now. I feel like I'll really like it in the future just because I'm that way with OG colorways. That's part of why I like the, um, the, what is it, the Vapor Max colorway, the Zen Gray, and the Icy Blue Outsole. It was the first colorway to come out, um, along with that red what was it like a red and a wolf gray colorway um but that zen gray like just the the initial colorways of sneakers are something special at least to me just because it's like the first iteration of that sneaker the first colorway that we've seen it in so it holds a special you know i don't know not even like a nostalgia but a special um just a special fucking what what is the word i'm looking for what the fuck um i don't know just a higher significance i guess is what i'll say um and so that's kind of how i feel about this colorway especially with it being so unique in its design um you know with the mixture of colors that mixture of colors that you don't think would go together and kind of don't in all honesty um, they remind me of my favorite pair of, uh, As We Go 2s by Raf Simmons and Adidas. It's the, uh, well, actually not counting old, old pairs. Um, cause I've seen some older pairs like they have burgundy hits on them and it's just such a fucking mixture, a clash of colors. And I really fuck with that aesthetic, especially on these bulky sneakers. I feel like it complements the aesthetic of the sneaker and it goes hand in hand, um, but the pair that is a deep blue, deep blue and black, I have the pair here, like, I own the pair, but, um, you know, essentially what I'm comparing it to is the colors, the colors when you initially get that pair, or even when you see it on the, on sites and shit, it went on sale, I think, for that reason, uh, you know, just with the mixtures of, like, a navy blue or a deep blue, the blue pods and then the black you know black paneling i mean uh i don't know it shouldn't work but i feel like that aesthetic complements the the structure of the sneaker and um and that's kind of what this this easy wave runner reminds me of now i like that the uh the three stripes the adidas three stripes are hidden under a mesh panel i think it lets the complex aesthetic of the sneaker 
you know, just stand alone and speak for itself. And, uh, and I don't know, I'm not that crazy about 3M anymore, but it makes sense on this, you know, on a, on a bulky running sneaker. That's what you're going to see. This, I would have to say overall reminds me of a New Balance, uh, just mainly in its upper, but it's refreshing. That's, that's my takeaway, at least right now. Um, I like the all black colorway. It's like a, not even all black. It's like a, an ashy black, you know, like a charcoal. That colorway is dope. I mean, as dope as a, as an all black colorway can get. Um, so I don't know. I'm hopeful for what, what this represents for the line. Um, and also, you know, now with these coming out, I guess I'm more okay with, not that, like, not like, oh, well, I have to fucking be okay with it, but, uh, I'm more okay with the fucking, you know, seeing so many V2s, just because it's like, okay, well, let everyone go and get those, and I'm gonna fuck with these Wave Runners, um, but I don't know, I think Ye did a good job, I think, you know, just structurally, it flows well, the sneaker flows well, um, and I don't know. I mean, it's pretty slimmed down for having so many panels, at least the upper. Of course, the outsole or the midsole is what adds the bulk to it. Um, but I fuck with the midsole, too. I really like it. The one thing is there's a lot of painting on this midsole. Um, and so I could see that, you know, being fucked up in a lot of pairs. You know, the more they release, I could see that being an issue just because paint on an on a midsole seems to be a bitch for most brands and and it's you know pretty commonly fucked up but um and i also wonder if this these uh 3m pods if they'll crack and i would really like if they were like pods like the um like the raf simmons on the oswegos instead of just being like 3m painted but i don't know i fuck with it guys i would i don't know what i wouldn't give it a rating but um, yeah, I fuck with it, I'm excited, I'm excited to, you know, I mean, it's pretty wearable, you just fucking wear it with essentially anything, right? Oh, and for reference, they are true to size, um, they, well, true to size for a snug fit, so mind you, if you're, like, it's, you could get away with going up a half size, so mind you, I am a ten and a half. And this is, uh, and I got a ten and a half, and my toe is right up against the uh, the top paneling, like it's snug. Um, so if you guys need to, you know, go go up a half size, um, going true to size is definitely snug. So I feel I almost fucking forgot that, and I feel like that's the most important part. I hate in reviews when you know fucking people will sit there and not end up even telling you how they fit, or how to size, some, you know, mo the majority of the time, that's why the fuck I'm going to the review, um, and then, I don't know, as far as resale, I think they're reselling for 700, you know, anywhere from 700 to a grand, I believe, um, let me check StockX real quick, actually, I have my iPad right here, uh, alright, let's see, fuck, 
So actually, a they range from I mean it started as low as six and a half going for seven hundred dollars, and range up to it's looking like nine hundred. I mean my size ten and a half is yeah I, I see a nine hundred. Um oh no there's an eight ninety an eight eighty five. So essentially nine hundred. It's interesting because, uh, you know, I, I've debated reselling them just with that much money. You know, you weigh like, hey, do I want these sneakers? Will I wear them enough to get my, you know, I mean, because that's all that matters. If you if you think you'll wear this shit enough, then by all means, you know, fucking wear it and keep it. But it's obviously the money's tempting. Um, but I don't know. Uh for right now, obviously, I'm keeping the pair, um, yeah, and I think, I think I'm actually gonna keep it, gonna end up keeping it, but it's interesting to think on why this pair is going for so much, um, and on, I believe it was his review of, or no, it was when, it was a Mr. Fomer Simpson video, and it was when he was talking about that bundle, um, the Yeezy bundle, you know, with the mud rats and then the sweater, the sweat shorts. Um, and then he, you know, I had mentioned it in a previous podcast. He was like praising it or whatever. But he also mentions that he thinks part of the reason that these wave runners are going for so much and are so hard to find. I mean, obviously, you know, the resale prices are a reflection of, you know, them being scarce in number, right? He mentions that he thinks that's because they were essentially pre-ordered, so in theory, I, w- I guess a pre-order would be like, hey, well, you get all your money in by this date, you know, everyone can place an order, but just do it by this date at this time, and then we're going to make exactly the amount of pairs to meet the demand, right, because I don't think these had a wide release, I don't think these had a release even on Adidas' site, so it's inter- it's interesting to think that literally every, this these were limited to literally everyone who was willing to put up the money at the time. And it's interesting to think about that in concept with like just reselling in general. Cuz I think that would work as the solution to stop resellers, right? I mean, well not necessarily stop resellers, but put the sneakers in the hands of the people who want them because if i'm if i'm going on there and i fuck with you know yeezys and i don't just buy them for the hype then or or even if i buy them for the hype it doesn't fucking matter you know i'm just saying a range of say a diehard yeezy fan you know that has the money they go on there they pre-order it they're excited as fuck because it's like one of their first yeezys that they're able to get their hands on for retail and, um, you know, it ranges from that fan to, yeah, just a kid looking to resell. And essentially, you could have, you know, if you had the money to float for, what, that three or four months, you could have bought, you know, multiple. Well, actually, I think it was limited. I think it was limited to, what, one one or two pairs per person. So, no, you couldn't even do that. I mean, you could have friends and family do it you know, buy pairs or put it in their name and then use your card. But I don't know. 
Um, it's an interesting concept to think that, hey, well, it's just like, if you're a fan of it, then you have a pair. And then if you were skeptical or say you didn't have the money at the time, then you're just kind of fucked, right? But the concept is interesting. Just making the exact number that, you know, of demand. And it would essentially kill, you know, or, or not kill resale. Resale will always be there. But, you know, whether, whether it be because people are indecisive or, say, me. Like, being, you know, I, I was genuinely a fan of the sneaker. I wanted to see it in hand more than anything. And then make my decision from there. And then, yeah, looking at the resale market and, and deciding, okay, well, is it worth that much to you? Or do you feel like you're going to wear it? You know, because if you are, then that's that's all it. You know, that's all you need. But if you're looking to make some money off it, then that's there's that option too. I don't know. It's an interesting concept, and I, I kind of hope to see more of this from Kanye in the future. The more and more I thought about it, you know, with the the mud rats and shit like that. Obviously, not the bundles. That that was some of the most fucked up shit I think Ye's ever done. Um, and a poor business practice in general, in my opinion. But I do like the concept of literally everyone who wants a pair getting a pair. And then, you know, the aftermarket being what it will be. But now, you know, so I don't know if that kind of thinking about it like that kind of makes me even treasure the pair more. So I don't know. But yeah, I wanted to go through those for you guys. Um, an audio review was kind of a unique concept and maybe a concept that doesn't directly uh, you know isn't the most convenient for the platform or for the format rather but um I felt like it was worth recapping with you guys and just you know going through with you guys my my initial thoughts as I'm looking at the pair so with that being said it's a light news day at least on this episode so, now we're going to get into our end of the year segment, and this episode's end of the year segment is, our topic, uh, is top sneakers of 2017. So, mind you, I have a list of five, not 10, not 20, not 25, not 15, five, um, and it's just five sneakers that I obviously I really fuck with. Now, mind you, I know some people, you know, they're like they they don't fuck with lists if the person, you know, a lot of bullshit. Like if they don't have the pair or if you bought it resale and it doesn't count, you know, all this little bullshit. This is just my list of literally the five sneakers that I fuck with the most in 2017, regardless of if I have them or I don't have them or I want them or I don't want them, you know, whatever. These are just aesthetically the most pleasing sneakers to me. Um, And so starting with number five is the Alexander Wang B-Ball High in the gray cream colorway. I just thought the aesthetic of it was gorgeous as fuck. It kind of was that, you know, stripped down aesthetic before Virgil did it. Not saying that, you know, not not like using that as a bash against Virgil, but just saying that it was the first time I had seen really a sneaker deconstructed in that way. 
and um and it just being bulky as fuck one thing that i didn't like was the uh the very like angled or not even angled like the very flat midsole of it or the boost panel of it being so like squared off i didn't really like the aesthetic of that um but the sneaker in itself with the ankle wrap or like the uh elastic cuff on it i don't know i just fuck with the sneaker especially that colorway i think it's gorgeous i think it would be dope to you know like just wear and and dirty up i think it would only look better um but i don't know it's it's interesting because it has this this stripped down look while remaining you know while also having a look of like a future aesthetic at least in my opinion um so i don't know i I fuck with that sneaker that's my number five my number four is the nike air vapor max og the the original colorway the pure platinum colorway um that of course being the gray and icy blue outsole i just feel like uh you know how i mean how much can i fucking praise this shoe right uh obviously it's it's a level of innovation it's it represents you know a pinnacle of innovation for nike um and i just think it comes at the perfect time it just well i'm really i really fuck with the future tech wear aesthetic and i really like how that meshes with the bulky sneaker trend or like i'm just really excited to experiment with that aesthetic you know mixing those two um and I don't know, so I, I just feel like, now mind you, I don't think it, like, fits into the bulky sneaker trend, some say it fits into the ugly, like, it, it, like, fits into the ugly sneaker trend in that it is an ugly sneaker, not necessarily that it's a bulky sneaker, um, I don't know, I don't feel that way, though, I don't feel like it's an ugly sneaker, I feel like it's a jarring sneaker, I feel like when you look at it, it definitely catches your eye, catches your attention, um, but that colorway is fucking gorgeous, you know, or no, let me not, let me not take it that far, it's not that it's gorgeous, I, I do fuck with the colorway, I like the colorway, but again, with it being the initial colorway of, you know, this tech, I, that's what makes it exciting and worth having to me, so mind you, this is the only sneaker on the list that I own, um, so number four, the Nike Air Vapor Max, uh, in the pure platinum colorway, um, now number three is kind of a niche sneaker that you guys may not know of, it's the No, No One LA, the Charlie, so No One LA, spell N-O, period, O-N-E, LA, is, uh, this newer, like, luxury brand, I guess, out of, of course, LA that does these just, I mean, they're very simple constructed sneakers. They remind me a lot of, um, what could you compare them to? Maybe greats in the sense that they're luxury and they're, well, I don't know. I don't think that's a good comparison at all, actually. Uh, I don't know what I would compare them to. There's a, what is that shop in, uh, there's a shop in New York that I believe I've talked about on the podcast before that is by, to even go in the shop, it's by, um, 
by appointment only and every every season and and once you go in there mind you, you their sneakers aren't released you know you can't see photos of their sneakers until after the season that's when they post them and once they're no longer available and so going in there to buy a sneaker you're literally just like it's it's something that you're seeing for the first time and then if you buy it everyone outside of there is seeing for the first time um fuck i'm drawing a blank on the name of the brand it's a it's a dope concept i feel like um and it's just an interesting approach in this you know in in the whole sneaker market um but anyways that's somewhat what they remind me of because that brand also does luxury very limited unique sneakers um now mind you aesthetically these aren't the most unique and i'll admit that but it's in their construction and in the limited numbers and just the gorgeous minimal build is why this one made my list so it's the charlie in the orange colorway now mind you there is an orange colorway that released at the same time as a black and off-white colorway um and the sneaker you i I really recommend that you guys are i i want you guys to go and look this sneaker up um it's gorgeous it's extremely high priced i mean it's gone now um but it's it's essentially a chuck taylor i'll admit that it's, it's essentially a luxury chuck taylor um and now mind you i know rick owens kind of does that like he has a luxury italian made take on on the uh the fucking chuck taylor but it's obviously you know rick's aesthetic so it's his interpretation of it and that being of course the ramones if you guys are unfamiliar um but that's a very exaggerated minimal silhouette this one is very sleek and i don't know just the build of it that orange colorway i feel like you know it it pops enough um but not too much it's it's still you know not the loudest uh i I look forward to getting one of their sneakers sometime because mind you they they keep releasing these they're only a year old the brand as a whole which is fucking crazy um but i'm extremely excited for this brand's future and uh and they release in usually i think it's like two colorways every release and those releases i think are limited to what 25 pairs um and i'm interested to see if they retro anything because you know i would love the chance to own one of the the charlies in the orange colorway or even i guess in the black and off-white colorway that's just more simple and less risky i really fucked with the orange for uh for that slight pop of color for your wardrobe um but you guys need to check these sneakers out at least check them out um on the site they have this gorgeous like side panel that has the details in fact let me go through the details real quick with you guys so first off their site is no one la spell n-o-dash-o-n-e dot l-a um so of course that other the other colorway that I have on my list is not currently made or it's sold out. 
But uh, the materials. Real quick, let me go through the. No, the description's too fucking long. Alright, I can. No, I'll just fucking go through it real quick. Um, the most indecisive motherfucker I know. First off, they retail for five seventy five, which I know is crazy, but, um. It's like, in my opinion, it's just one of those sneakers that you get and wear the fuck out of. And even at the end of your wear, it could possibly, you know, you could get some money back from it. Or just wear the fuck out of it and let that be your sneaker. You know, I fuck with that more and more because obviously I've gone from, you know, buying every fucking sneaker I see to wanting like, as I've mentioned before in the podcast, like five sneakers, if that, a season, and then just rotating out sneakers, but always keeping it at, a, you know, a five limit or, or maybe like a seven, a seven sneaker limit so that everything gets its wear. Because I've gone from having fucking, and I feel like I'm not the only one, but, and it sounds ridiculous, but I've gone from having, I would say hundreds of pairs unworn just because of the sheer number you know, and then I've over the process, over the fucking past year, I've gone through the process of slowly selling them off. And now I'm getting to what, like my last 50. And, you know, it's been a fucking, it's been one hell of a task, but it's a lesson, you know? And so that's why I do want this more minimal closet that is things like pieces that I really fuck with and that I obviously wear. And so I don't know. Let me know if you guys are like that. I, I feel like I'm not the only one. Um, but the description of the Charlie is familiar but completely distinctive. The Charlie draws inspiration from classic cap-toed basketball sneakers, then reconsiders and re-engineers every detail of this icon of design. Uh, what appears at first to be simple and familiar is revealed to be enormous, enormously sophisticated richly detailed and singularly luxury and singularly luxurious um the upper is made from italian printed hair on calfskin mind you this is the current pair that they have listed it's their pink pony pair um and i I don't fuck with this pair it reminds me a lot of what was it wasn't it a i don't know if it was a Louis, uh, Louis Vuitton, or what, whatever, there was a pink cheetah, no, it wasn't pink cheetah, it was just cheetah, yeah, I think it was off-white with black cheetah prints, and that was, like, super hyped for a while, that's what this reminds me of for some reason, I swear, why do I fucking correlate that with being pink, though, maybe there was a pink pair, um, I don't know if it was Louis, uh, Louis Vuitton, though, but I think I feel like there was a popular sneaker that this reminds me of. Um, the upper is made from printed hair on calfskin or from Italian printed hair on calfskin. The ultra soft lining is made of plunge lambskin, as are the custom embossed tongue lining and visible heel, heel counter. Um, also, the just aesthetically, this this fucking sneaker is gorgeous, like just the details in its design um but all right italian made xl blown eva athletic midsole is bonded to a hand poured hevia rubber outsole made of 100 percent pure virgin hevia milk 
for exceptional comfort and durability. Motherfucker, that house goes milk, bro. Like, what the fuck? Um, due to the organic nature of the hides, every pair is different. The shoe you receive will be different than the shoe shown here. All right, so yeah, that doesn't apply, but I don't know. Fucking, it's extremely exciting just to see this brand doing what they've done, especially in a year. Um, and yeah, so that's my number three. A bit long-winded, I know, but I'm excited about it because I feel like it's not on most lists, and I'm genuinely excited about the aesthetic of the sneaker and the potential of the brand. So yeah, uh, so number three, the no one no one LA's the Charlie, the orange colorway. Um, all right, now number two, the Balenciaga Triple S. In specific, the Dover Street Market white and yellow colorway. Um, this colorway is fucking gorgeous. I've looked on StockX, trying to see, you know, dreaming, dreaming about the day that I could, you know, cop that sneaker. Uh, but mind you, I think it's going for two grand. The last I checked, which is just fucking, like, a big fuck you, like, what, like, two grand, um, but regardless, price aside, just aesthetically, this sneaker is gorgeous, this colorway in specific, I feel like it perfectly captures that dirty, bulky, athletic sneaker, um, it's probably one of the most wearable, in my opinion, but again, I feel like that's part of the aesthetic of these bulky sneakers is kind of mismatching. So it's not even a, you know, like it's not even a, you don't have to put emphasis on matching them, at least in my opinion. But um, yeah, I mean, what more can I say? I feel like Balenciaga, you know, the triple S in general, I've said it before. Um, they just perfectly nailed the bulky dad sneaker aesthetic. Um and this colorway in specific is fucking gorgeous. I hope they do more. I know they, they've they shown a somewhat slimmed down model in like a neon colorway and then a navy, a, like a two-tone of blue colorway. Um, but I don't know. I hope they keep the uh, complex paneling. I don't like that newer version nearly as much as the the current version. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what else to say about this sneaker, guys. It's just gorgeous. Um, it perfectly nails the dad sneaker aesthetic. Uh, obviously very exaggerated in its approach, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I fuck with it. That's like grails for me just in that, you know, I mean, that sounds super hype beast, but really it kind of is for two grand. I mean, I'm never going to fucking get that sneaker um, it, it's just not smart financially, you know, I mean, you will, it will retain value, but it's just fucking insane, man, I don't know, um, the sneaker's gorgeous, though, aesthetically, you know, I'm inspired by it, I fuck with it, um, and yeah, Balenciaga did their goddamn thing on the Triple S, to think that just, what, years ago, they were making the fucking arena, and now having such a new aesthetic, I mean, hats off to Balenciaga, that design alone, just the design, fuck any color, just the design, um, but if I had to pick a colorway, that's my favorite, so number two, the Balenciaga Triple S in the Dover Street Market exclusive colorway of white and yellow, 
Um, all right. So, number one, my top sneaker of 2017. Can you guys guess it? It's likely expected. Um, I hate to be so cliche in my list. This is kind of why I didn't want to do the list like a traditional list. Um, but my number one is the off-white uh, Virgil Abloh designed Air Jordan 1. It's just, again, what it represents in, in itself, just the collaboration and Virgil having the chance to do that on, you know, to, to put his mind on so many sneakers or to like, you know, just digest so many sneakers and put them out in his envisioned design is fucking, I mean, that's amazing in itself. But then once you look at his take on the Air Jordan 1, that's why I don't get how, you know, older sneaker collectors or I, I feel like that's obvious. That's kind of like, uh, you know, categorizing, miscategorizing a large group of people. But um, I've seen it more often with older sneakerheads that they, you know, they say that his they don't see what kids see in that sneaker that he fucking, you know, he ruined an Air Jordan 1. Um, I would think out of anyone, you know, older sneakerheads that have been buying the same colorway are the same, you know, three different colorways of that sneaker for the past 20 years would appreciate a new take on it. But that's just me. Um, Obviously, I fucking love what Virgil did with it. Um, just the way that he completely fucking took the Air Jordan 1 and fucked with it. I mean, I, I love, I love his take on it. The, this again is Grails. I do hope to cop this within the, well, I want to set a goal for myself and, um, you know, and then that's once I hit that goal, whatever it may be, whether it be launching the first piece of the collection or, you know, just the first product or maybe the, the first however many sales or whatever. Um, I want to set a goal for myself to then allow myself to cop it. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I felt like it was predict predictable, guys. So sorry for that. But I mean, I can't deny that, you know, this, this sneaker is so fucking gorgeous. And then also just not only having the chance to work on an Air Jordan 1, but then having the vision, you know, to create such a obscure version of it. And then having the confidence to execute it like just think about that you know Virgil mem mentions in his uh Nike like sit down interview it's like an hour long you guys can find it on YouTube um it's a conversation that he has at one of the Nike events and he mentions that the collaboration could could have been career suicide for him uh, and, and people don't factor that in. People just look at it as like what it is now and how it's accepted now and that it's like grail status and it's just, it's hype for the sake of hype. No, like that's such a fucking huge risk to take such a beloved sneaker and then to flip it that way and put it out. I mean, God damn, man. 
Um, kudos to Virgil. Like, just, and if you guys get a chance, watch his fucking, I, I tweeted it. Um, watch his Harvard speech. If you design or you're a creator, please just, just check it out. I mean, it's like an hour and some change, I think, but just, just start, like, just watch like 20 minutes of it even. Um, it's fascinating the way that his mind works and just his whole process and his whole approach to, to design is insanely inspirational to me. And I feel like it could be of some value to you guys. So I recommend if you get the chance, uh, watch it, check it out. I watched it over the break and it was fucking amazing. Um, and it's free to imagine. And he mentions that in the intro that that speech is free. You know, just to think a Harvard speech is free on the internet, accessible to everyone. But we just take it for granted. We're just like, yeah, like that's a what? Like most people get that wouldn't be like, bro, a fucking Harvard speech from one of the hottest designers out right now for free. Like what the fuck? And giving insane insight on his creative process and just his approach to design and product and his vision of the world. Like, what the fuck? No, most people's response would be like, bruh, that shit's an hour long. Are you fucking crazy? What the fuck am I going to do? I don't have an hour to fucking give to a video. What the fuck? You know, that's most people's approach to this shit. And it's fucking crazy to think, like, all this content's free, so we get so... Like, I don't know. It's just a dime a dozen. Like, so please, in, you know, in the era of so much content being dismissed or dismissible, I guess, um, check that out. I would check that out before you check out the, um, the Nike interview, just cause that's more specifically him going over the collaboration, uh, the Harvard interview or not interview the Harvard speech is more him going over his whole approach to design and just his view on the world and design and fucking amazing, man. Um, all right, and then my honorable mentions. There are three honorable mentions. The first being the Adidas sneakers and stuff, NMD R1 Datamosh uh, in the collegiate orange colorway. I mean, this colorway was super sought after. came out earlier in the year. Um... So much so that I feel like most people forgot about it. And over the year, over the course of a year, just in how fast shit moves, the NMD silhouette is kind of, it's its definitely not viewed the same as it was in the beginning of the year. So, um, I don't know. I feel like that's why I don't see this on many lists, but, um, it's just one of the best, if not the best take on the NMD that I feel like we've ever seen. So, yeah, that's that's why I have it in my honorable mentions. Um, and I, it would have been on my list, but I wanted to keep it at a concise five. Um, so, yeah, now it's just an honorable mention. Um, but next in my honorable mentions is the Nike and Ronnie Fi collaborations. Uh, that being plural on the uh, Nike Maestro 2 and the Nike Air Pippin. So this was huge for me just because 
it represents a a milestone for Ronnie and I'm extremely proud of Ronnie and motivated just by seeing him make the moves that he has in the past year do I fuck with the sneakers aesthetically no not really um the Nike Maestro 2 I did like in that purple on purple colorway um I felt like that was gorgeous but mind you you know I and then I also fucked with the asymmetrical lacing that he did on the pair I mean making it higher I felt was a pretty dope uh add-on um I like the way that the asymmetrical lacing looks in contrast with the swoosh or not even in contrast with but in proximity to the swoosh on the corner of the toe box um it just looks well proportioned and yeah, so my favorite colorway would probably be the purple on purple pair, just not that wearable. And uh, so I don't know. That's the thing is it obviously didn't make the list. Uh, I really don't fuck with any of the Air Pippins, um, except for maybe the friends and family pair that was like that grayscale. He, Ronnie always does that shit. He'll forever be known for it. He'll forever be infamous for it. He does these friends and family pairs that are mad, not even mad limited, mad exclusive, literally to only a select few, you know, friends and influencers, whatever. And those are some of the dopest colorways in his, in you know, in his whole history, in his whole, like, like the fucking, all of his projects. And, uh, and he consistently does it. So it's obviously, you know, it's obvious that he doesn't give a fuck and he's going to continue to do that. And I admire that, you know, his willing to stubbornness, his willing to remain in his ways and never release those friends and family pairs. Um, but yeah, that's probably the only colorway of the Air Pippin that I really fuck with. But the Nike Air Maestro 2, the purple on pu- uh, the purple on purple colorway was dope to me. The USA colorway, again, I believe was a friends and family. Um, that was dope as well. But, uh... Uh, this this collaboration is not necessarily like this isn't in my obviously it didn't make my list because aesthetically I don't fuck with them that heavy um it's just purely based off of you know seeing a designer that I've been so inspired by over the past what five five to ten years um just seeing him reach this level and I mean it's kind of fucks with me because i feel like this is nike you know it doesn't mean as much as it would have five years ago the entire collaboration um but that's no reason to shit on it you know from ronnie's perspective it's still something that's insanely admirable um but as far as nike i just feel like it's more so nike coming to ronnie because you know they need that extra relevance um but I don't know, you know, so it would have meant more five years ago when Nike was the only sneaker brand that was really, you know, coming out with any product that was desired and then to have Ronnie collab. And that was when it made a ton of sense to people who were in Ronnie's following. So I almost want one of these just to commemorate the achievement and the collaboration. I know that probably sounds corny, um, but it's just obviously because of what it represents to me. And I think that's what we get distant from, or I know for sure I've gotten distant from, 
with sneakers. Sometimes I'll just fuck with them aesthetically and not really have a connection to them. So, um, but I don't know. I don't think these are that wearable. So it's like, and I know I wouldn't wear it much. So that then kills like the thought of me ever purchasing one. But shout, shout out to Ronnie. Kudos to Ronnie. He's a huge fucking inspiration. You know, keep doing your goddamn thing. This is a milestone, and I'm, I couldn't be more fucking proud. Um, and then the last honorable mention, contradictory to everything that I've been saying over the past, what, 10, 15 episodes regarding Yeezy V2s, um, third in my honorable mentions is the Adidas Yeezy Boost 350 in the blue tint colorway. Now, mind you, this is because... I feel like one, just based off of colorway, this will end up being one of the most sought after and just one of the, just because it's one of the most unique and gorgeous colorways, in my opinion, um, it'll stand right next to the zebra in being most sought after. Um, I, I personally feel like, but also, you know, I, I got to thinking about it just recently it was the past couple days i think i forget what sparked the the uh the idea or the concept in my mind but i i started thinking about the v2s you know the yeezy v2s and how available they are and we just hear with more and more colorways the more and more that release you know the more and more numbers they produce and the more people get them and that kind of obviously oversaturates them a little bit and makes them admittedly a bit less desirable right but then i got to thinking of kanye's run of interviews back in what 2012 around there when he was you know preaching that you know just talking about fashion design and getting into the design world and wanting Adidas, you know, his Yeezys to be readily available, and he, you know, just wanting every kid that wants a pair of Yeezys to be able to own a pair of Yeezys, and I, you know, putting selfishness aside, because that's kind of what I think it stems from, you know, just by not thinking of the overall concept or benefit that this oversaturation, in quotes, does provide, you know, it provides the ability for these kids to you know, if you're a fan of yay, or not even kids, fucking adults, regardless, just if you, you fuck with, you know, whether it be yay, uh, the aesthetic, yay's product, um, the, the, just the sneakers in general, or, or, yeah, if you're a collector, whatever it may be, if you fuck with Yeezys, they're getting easier to cop, which is a dope concept overall, and, and it is inherently selfish to be like, Ah, oh, well, I'm sick and tired of seeing this silhouette, and it's so overdone, so oversaturated. You know, I'm trying to look at the positives. Ye's making good on his promise, and for that alone, uh, the Yeezy makes my honorable mentions. But in specific, the blue tint colorway, I feel like it, is it not a callback to the, um, what was it, the Zen the Zen Gray colorway of the Nike Yeezys. It feels somewhat reminiscent of those. 
um, just in the palette, obviously not, not anything to do with the aesthetic uh, or the overall construction, uh, but just in the palette, that's somewhat what it reminds me of. But yeah, I don't know. That's kind of why I came around uh, again. I don't really want any of the V2s. Um, the silhouette in itself still is old to me. Uh, and, and again, it's old in a positive way in that, like, I mean it in from a positive place that I want Ye to come out with more shit like this, you know, the Wave Runner. I want to see new silhouettes I because I know, obviously, the creative that we know that Kanye is. I want to see that on more product. Like, I like seeing there's such a fucking rush that comes with seeing a new silhouette or a new product. And even more so once you get that in hand, right? So, and then seeing new colorways of a new silhouette is fucking exciting. I mean, seeing the same silhouette fucking, what, 12 times now or some shit? And damn near, I mean, if you fucking count the V1 which is damn near the same silhouette. I feel like that's being a bit short-sighted. It's not necessarily, I mean, there are obviously design differences, but, you know, just as far as minimal construction, it is very similar. Um, So I don't think that's a stretch. But, you know, again, it comes from a good, my criticism comes from a good positive place of, you know, wanting to see Ye do more on more silhouettes i want another high top model i really like the fucking what is it the the fucking 500 it's not the 500 what is it the boot not even the boot i i fuck with the yeezy boots in specific the uh easy the yeezy season three i really like the minimal build that it had the outsole in specific um and then the safari the safari boot upper i feel like was minimal as well um, that burnt Sierra, that burnt Sienna colorway is fucking legendary, but, uh, and then the Onyx pair is so fucking wearable, I love that pair, but, um, not those, I, like, I fuck with those Yeezy boots, like, the boots boots, but also the Yeezy, what is it, um, the 750, that's what it is, and it fucking sucks that there's only, what, four colorways, I mean, the light brown, the initial colorway, like, fucking retro that. That shit is so iconic to me, so gorgeous. But I remember, you know, even if I would want to go back and cop it for resale, one, it's extremely high-priced, and two, that's the pair that they had fucked up zippers on, you know, and the zipper was falling off on every fucking pair. Um, Mind you, that's the only pair of Yeezys well, now, the second, you know, I've, I've only owned the Wave Runner and then the 750 in the all-black colorway. Those are the only two Yeezys, like, mainline Yeezys that I've owned. I guess you could consider the Boots Yeezys as well, just not nearly as sought after. Um, but, yeah, I want more high models. I really fuck with that aesthetic, and I know most people don't. Um... So I hope we see shit like that. And obviously by reiterating the fucking V2 time and time again in fucking every different color on the spectrum, like it gets, like I appreciate the concept of everyone getting one. I do. But I feel like it's obviously taking from what we could be getting. And that being new silhouettes, new colorways, um, 
so yeah but so third honorable mention goes to the yeezy 350 blue tint um the yeezys in general just because i like that everyone you know yay's making good on his promise everyone is able to get a pair they're becoming increasingly uh not even just affordable but increasingly um what's the word i'm looking for increasingly obtainable and uh and in specific the blue tint colorway i feel like will go down as one of the best v2 colorways yet um so yeah with that being said that wraps up this episode of the podcast um just know that i fucking love you guys i appreciate you guys i'm glad to be back um and you guys will be hearing more from me soon peace guys